This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, top of the day to all of you, and I always look forward to each new show, and especially, especially when we're going to do a topic we have never done before. How cool is that? So, as we as we look at it and the whole um, concept of the Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing podcast is about creating a variety of ahas, insight, tips, and how-tos for you as the author, your publishing and book marketing success. And with us today is someone some of you may have heard of. Uh, if you are a reader of children's books, she may be on your list. But with us is Jane Wood, and she's the author of five award-winning juvenile fiction books where she weaves history and science into stories filled with mystery, adventure, and humor for young readers ages 8 to 14. Students like her books because they're fun, and teachers like them for their educational value. And no wonder she's a former teacher herself, a news reporter, and a television producer who often presents at book festivals, conferences for writers and publishers, and educational conferences. Jane has a BA from the University of Florida, and an MED from the University of North Florida, and she is also the past president of the Florida Authors and Publishers Association. You can discover more about Jane and see her books at janewoodbooks.com. Jane, welcome to Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I got so excited uh, when Jane and I were on a joint conference call for an association that we are affiliate members of called the IBP, known as the IBPA, the International Book Publishers Association. And um, we were just chit-chatting and it came up that what Jane did and I said, you know, I would love to do a podcast about how to get your books, kiddo books, juvenile, as well as other age bands, into schools, but also other books that could go into schools. And that just uh, just really appealed to me, um, especially during these, these times as we come out of the pandemic, knock on wood. <laughs> I'm going to knock on wood, Jane, <laughs> to get that going. And um, and and bring it about. So let's let's just kind of hop into it. Have you always written for kids, or is that something that came out of your school teaching days? Yes, I've always written for kids. Um, as a school teacher, actually, the first year I was teaching school, and I won't tell you how many years ago that was, but it was a long time ago. And the books then were not ideal for for kids. I was actually teaching seventh graders, many of whom were reading on a fourth grade reading level. And the books that, that were offered to me 
to share with the kids were not of interest to seventh graders. So that day I said, or that year I said, one of these days, I want to write a kid's book that's got mm-hmm. a high interest level, but on a, a reading level of uh, fourth, fifth, sixth graders. And that's how it all started. I had multiple careers after then. You mentioned newspaper reporter, te- television producer. And uh, I got downsized in, in 2000. This is probably a lot of people have a similar story. And I said, okay, lady, put your fingers where your, you know, put where your mouth was, get your fingers on the keyboard and uh, see if you can't write a kid's book. And the rest is history. I wrote the first one and it did extremely well with schools. And uh, my then publisher said, you got to write another one. And so the book became a series and that's how it happened. And and the the that's the rest of the story. So, um, going in as you went in from being the school teacher to now the author performer, how how was that? Actually, I love it. Um, I missed being in the classroom. I taught middle school and high school English and uh, one year of social studies. I loved connecting with the kids. And I loved helping them improve their reading skills, which is so critical. I mean, if kids aren't reading on grade level, by the time they read elementary school, we lose them. You know, they Mm -hmm. they don't do well in their other subjects, and frequently they drop out of school, and then we have all kinds of other problems. So I have enjoyed connecting with kids again. I tell people when I go in to do an author visit to a school, it's like being a grandparent. I get to go in and play with the kids. I don't have all the responsibilities that the teachers have because they have to grade papers, they have to discipline, they have to deal with the parents. And I get to go in and still connect with those uh, students. And hopefully they've enjoyed what I've done. They enjoy reading my books. And hopefully they're all improving their reading skills. And and, and then as, as the good grandparent knows, they can go home. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. It, it, I really have enjoyed it, and I it, just like when I do a book signing or I do a reading somewhere, it's the kids that I connect with, and uh, that's very important for me. Oh, exactly. So you've written a book um, for, it, it's called Schools, a Niche Market for Authors, and um, I, I really wanted to dig into that. And, and so let, let's start about what's the most important criteria when an author tries to market their books to a school? Probably the single most important um, quality is the book must have educational value. A lot of people, particularly with children's books, they've written a cute book, and it might be wonderful. It might be beautifully illustrated. It might have a moral or a theme. But if it doesn't really contribute to what the teachers are having to teach, and we're talking curriculum here, math, science, English, social studies, and a variety of all those other topics that teachers have to teach, they really don't have the time or the money to buy a lot of just cute books. Um, Maybe the library will buy a few, but if you really want to tap into that market, your book has to be able to contribute to what that teacher is teaching in the classroom at whatever grade level. I just mentioned children's picture books, but you can take that to upper elementary grade levels, to uh, young adults, to middle school, to high school. Um, There's a lot of books out there that 
can really contribute to uh, classroom studies. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of thinking like an educator when you're trying to market to schools. So here's here's what I'm hearing really clearly. We have two kind of components. One is a lot of authors who just think about, okay, so how can I go in to a school and get maybe some kind of an honorarium and a flyer goes out to all the parents to get them to pre-buy the book for the kids. You've seen that. You probably have experienced that um, on that. I don't think authors really think much about how do I do like a bulk sale to a school? How, how do I get them to say, oh, we need to bring this book in for our whole classroom? Well, that's uh, a little complicated because every school district in every state, every individual school is a little bit different. So there are different policies that certainly an author needs to research, do their homework, find out um, is there any restrictions to getting their books into the schools. I have not run into that a lot, but I know there are states where um, Mm -hmm. the book has to be approved before a teacher can even bring it in and into the classroom. And sometimes that's a committee at the district level. Um, That's what really helps if you've gotten good testimonials or endorsements from other teachers. Uh, Book awards help somewhat, too. But basically, you're talking about credibility. And so if your book has some good educational value and you can get it into those committees or to at least a few schools and they use it, You'd be surprised how word of mouth, just like with any marketing strategy, can really uh, help with those kinds of, of sales. Teachers, media specialists, administrators, parents, they all talk to each other. I mean, that's just very normal. And once you get your foot in the door, um, because the book has to be good to begin with, it has to be uh, something that reinforces what's going on in the classroom, then the school will consider buying Certainly copies for the library, hopefully a few classroom sets. And um, with schools, you know, you can sell a classroom set of, say, 25 books, and Mrs. Jones' class will read it, and then she passes it along to Mrs. Smith's class. In an ideal world, they'd buy enough for every student at that grade level, and I've had that happen. And then, of course, selling to the students. And that, um, I have strategies for that. Basically, I have an order form that goes home to the parents before I'm going to do a school visit or an in-person or a virtual school visit. And that way the parents are aware of it, and um, that's how you sell to the students. So basically I make money three ways uh, with school sales. The school buys some books, um, I get an honorarium or a speaker's fee, and then the students want to buy books. And if you've got a series, that works well. I have five books in my series the class may have studied one of my books, and then the kids want to buy the other four on their own. So it's a very unique marketing plan um, when you're dealing with schools. Oh, I love that. All right, we're getting, we're coming up to our first break, um, and I and I don't think truly, Jane, people think of three ways. They think it's usually the flyer thing. So the idea of of, of getting uh, schools, the classroom sets is is fabulous what i'd love to have you um when we come back if you could kiss on the the process i mean you're right every state's different on how they do it and and maybe it is you know the word of mouth i get that totally testimonials get that awards credibility 
Um, I, I think what I'd love to have you talk about just a little bit is how much time is needed to set that up. But we'll be right back. With me is Jane Wood. We're talking about getting your books into schools. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author U extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author U's extensive network, Members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. AuthorU is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, AuthorU is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author U today at authoru.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book. If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me is Jane Wood, and we're talking about the art, because it is art. Marketing is an art. Um, of using schools as a niche market for for you as an author. Now, Jane's expertise is she writes for what we would call the juvenile uh, age range, that 8 to 12 to 14. And um, I'm assuming your books are chapter books, Jane? Yes, they are. They're, they're chapter books. All right. So when we went to the break, I said I wanted her to to touch on the timing because I love this idea. I love her three prone idea of doing the flyer thing, of course, of of doing that. But they they get schools to buy classroom sets. Holy moly. Is that fabulous or not? And I don't know any authors who are doing that, Jane. Literally none. Well, um, I, of course, I've been doing this for quite a while. My first book came out in 2004, and it, like, it, it uh, reinforced some history in our area. I live in Florida, and my first book's called Voices in St. Augustine, and I weave a little history into a fun fiction story. That book took off, and then I wrote a second, third, fourth, fifth book, and teachers, when they discover one that they like, 
then um, they will share it with other teachers at their school, and they'll pass it around. And that's one way that you can stimulate that uh, market to buy mm-hmm. classroom sets. Um, I have some schools that will buy a copy for every student in the fourth grade at the beginning of the school year, and they read it, and then I do an author visit there or this year a virtual author visit. Um, so it can be done. But again, it's it's like any marketing, building up your your audience uh, and stimulating that. The one of the good news is once a school likes your book, they will call you back year after year. The bad news mm-hmm. is that as with any profession, teachers leave, media specialists and librarians change, and so sometimes you're you're starting from scratch. But fortunately, if they've used your book in the past or they've talked to another school that used your book or they've gone to your website and seen a good testimonial or review, that's how you get the uh, larger sales. Um, One of my favorite tricks into trying to get a school on board is to immediately talk to the media specialist or the librarian because they're usually the ones that have a budget to certainly buy some books for their library, but also they're the ones that usually schedule an author visit. And so if I'm doing what I call a cold call to a school, whether it's I'm visiting there for some reason or I'm going to send them an email, I offer to send them a free copy of one of my books or Mm -hmm. several of the books, depending on uh, what the interest level of that school might be. So it's a matter of stimulating that. You can't just expect a school to call you and say, oh, we, we'd like to buy your books, you've actually oh, got to yeah. go out there and do some marketing. You do. And so how much lead time, and, and, and it was the media specialist, you said, is that correct? Did I hear that correctly? Yes. Usually okay. it's the media specialist um, at, at an elementary school and a middle school. At a high school, you may want to be targeting a specific um, subject area. Maybe it's the high school creative writing teacher. Maybe it's the history teacher. Depending on the content of your book and how it relates to what that teacher is teaching, you have to figure out who is the best person to contact. It's like going into a bookstore and knowing who to talk to. Well, exactly. I mean, you're not going to pitch a, a a young children's book for the the four to seven-year-old group to your high school group. You've got Correct. to know where you belong. Yeah, which is very important. Well, I, I do love that idea. So the timing factor is that that one of the things, you know, this is my old belief, um, because I was I used to I had colleges pick up some of my books. But there is a time frame involved that could sometimes take a couple of years. I'm not sensing that is what your experience is at these lower school levels? No, there's several dates to keep in mind. And again, states vary, so you've got to do some homework. Number one, schools are looking to purchase books over the summer. Uh, Media specialists are already making a list of what they want to buy. Frequently, school budgets will start on July 1st. So you've got to get some of your marketing materials out before then, or at the very beginning of the school year, because frequently they've already decided where they're going to spend all their funds for that school year. So getting there in the summertime or at the very beginning of the school year is critical. Something else to think about is I sell a lot of books to Title I schools. 
Uh, Title I schools are schools that have um, a large percentage of free and reduced lunch students attending there. They're in the lower income uh, areas. And they get federal grant money to buy materials. So if you get with a Title I school that likes your book, they can buy large quantities of the books. Now, you probably won't sell a lot of books to the, <coughs> excuse me, to the students in a Title I school because they, right. they just don't have the money. But if you've sold it to the school and if you get a speaking opportunity out of it with an honorarium, then that's another way of making money. Um, so timing is important. Also, timing is important with the content of your book. For example, I have a book that has an environmental theme. Well, tomorrow's Earth Day. I'll be doing some promotions with social media and a newsletter mm-hmm. that'll go out about, remember, it's Earth Day, and then I have a very subtle uh, way of reminding them that I have a book that kids could read to learn about preserving and protecting the environment. I have mm-hmm. another book that takes place in Boston. Just a few days ago was April 18th, which was the famous uh, day of Paul Revere's ride. So I used mm-hmm. that timing to promote my books again. So there's lots of opportunities, but again, you just got to dig deep and do a little homework and figure out where are the connections between your book and your audience. Right. And you know, when you're bringing up like those two special days that in April that has Earth Day um, and that there was, I mean, last month was, you know, Forest and Tree Day, I know, because we did a run for another book on that day. Um, there's all kinds of days out there and the, the Boston, the Paul Revere ride. And that gives you a couple of opportunities really to push yourself out. One is on the day it's happening or at least the week it's coming. But if you're trying to get a a pre-do or even a kind of a speaking gig, you got to start way ahead of time, reminding them this is coming. This would be ideal to have. Bring this author in and celebrate Paul Revere. You know that- exactly, exactly. And and teachers are aware of a lot of these things, and they're frequently looking for things to help do those celebrations or that acknowledgement. So it's important that, again, do your homework, be aware of what's coming up. And there are so many different days that they celebrate regarding education. Read Mm -hmm. Across America Week, um, promoting libraries, you know, getting a library card. And there's books out there, there's websites out there that you can find these, these, all these dates and these celebrations. But again, you want to drive it back to the content of your book because you're trying to increase the credibility that what you have to offer them is something that helps them. It's not, you know, buy my book. It's here's how this can help uh, you teach what you're teaching in the classroom. Oh, that is, it's so fabulous. So calendar, everyone, what you want to do is for heaven's sakes, get out the magic calendar, go to the chase calendar, go to the weird holidays and calendars and see what's out there and maybe put together a laundry list of of dates throughout the year even coming. And how about doing a special letter that what she's talking about to, to specific heads, find out who they are to that librarian, to that media specialist saying these dates are all coming up. If you are celebrating those, writing about them, reading about them, learning about them, I have a book that would be a great fit and let them know about you. 
and, and that brings up another point. You, you know, you've got to have a distribution list of who you want to contact. Obviously, when I do school visits, I always keep track of who the person was that I dealt with, who was my main contact, their email address, their phone number. But when I do book signings, I have a sign-up sheet uh, my, for my distribution list. You know, you don't just add somebody to uh, a, a, a newsletter or whatever you're going to send out without their permission. That's just not good protocol. But if you have a sign-up sheet, and uh, particularly if you know it's a teacher or someone associated with schools, have them sign up, give, your, give, give you their email address, and add them to your distribution list so that when you're trying to promote these things, you're going straight to the person you're trying to reach. It's great to do all this on social media, but that's kind of a hit or miss. But when you've got a targeted yes. list, just like you would have for bookstores or libraries or any place else that you're going to try to market and sell your book, create a distribution list of schools and teachers. Well, I, I can't tell you how much I hound authors I work with and in my from whether it's in my social media, it's with my e-zines and my blogs. Um, in fact, my current blog that went out that went out on Tuesday was all about creating that list and bringing it in, bringing them to your website develop a relationship, trust, and do that. An email list is a gold mine. It is the gold mine for authors. And oh, and it, it's very targeted. Um, I mean, you can, you can do mail-outs. You can do all kinds of opportunities. You, you get them in your email every day. People want to help promote your book. But what you really need is that targeted list that's reaching the exact audience that, that you're trying to reach. Right. So, everyone, when you're out and about, you carry a clipboard I would have at the top of it you know while you you get their name and their email um, I would also say that you will be added to my preferred email list um, and let them know because basically when they sign in as Jane says they're opting in so uh, you don't want to uh, you don't put someone in just because you picked up their email list somewhere you want their permission so and certainly you can you can have it on your website, and everybody should have a website. But you can have a, a a button on the website they can click to be added to your distribution list, and these are these are invaluable. Um, mm -hmm. This this is what you need. Mm -hmm. Jane, we have about a, a minute and a half till we get to our minute actually to our next um, break here. So that if, if there's anything else that they can do to to reinforce the school's curriculum that they should be tuned into? Well, certainly. Uh, go to the state or the district uh, Department of Education website. Uh, look up standards. Sometimes they call it curriculum. Sometimes they call it assessment um, or academics. Find out what is taught at what grade level and what specific things that they're targeting. It'll, it'll be written kind of wordy with education-related you know, words, jargon, but you can see who's teaching what at what grade level, and that helps you target your audience and a specific, say, a specific Ooh. teacher or a specific department at a school. Yeah, that's huge. All right, we're going to be right back with Jane Wood, and we're talking schools and your books.
Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one -on -one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, we're talking schools, and as we went to the break, Jane was really sharing an important important point about doing some of this research and doing a dive down in just what the standards are going on in your district or in your state. So I want her to kind of come back and restate the steps to go about this, because this is crucial, crucial to find out uh, what you need to know to make a pitch. Yeah, I stated, stated at the very beginning that your book must have educational value. It must be compatible with the curriculum that's being taught at any school or grade level. And, of course, authors say, well, how do I know what that is? You go to the State Department of Education website, and they will have somewhere on that website standards. Used to be called Common Core Standards. A lot of people don't use that term anymore because it became very political and controversial. But they're yeah, still standards, and they're still pretty basic and pretty much the same. So you've got standards at the state level that schools are supposed to be using. Then frequently districts will have standards that they're trying to reinforce, and they might call it curriculum or academics, and just dig into the website. Someplace they'll have a department for that. Or it might just be elementary studies, middle school studies, high school secondary studies, and you can dig into that, and it will show you what's being taught at every subject level. And they'll break it out by subject, uh, math, 
science, English, social studies, and then you can get very specific and look at some of the individual standards, and it will say things like, um, what what was so important that with the early colonies in uh, in the 1700s? And if you're and if it's a fifth grade or it's an eighth grade, you can actually then say, oh, this applies to something I had in my book. And then you know who to target, what grade level, and uh, maybe even a specific teacher. And then, of course, you need to go to school websites. If you're trying to get into a specific school or district, go to the website and see what they've got listed there. I've sold a lot of books to schools simply because of the mascot of the school. I have one, ah. one of my books that has a pirate on the cover. Well, you can't believe how many schools have a pirate as their as their mascot. Or I have a book with a manatee on the cover. There's a lot of schools in Florida that have manatees as their mascot. So there's a lot of different ways to connect with the content of your book to what is going on at a particular school or a particular district. Mm-hmm. I, I love that idea. And it, it, your book may not be about manatees, but it's on the cover, and there's your connector. Is that right? Yes, but my book does have uh, a manatee in it a and, uh, in and sea turtles, and it's got some fun scenes in there with the bottom line message is why we need to be protecting these species, and that's what the teachers pick up on. The kids like the manatee or the kids like the pirate, but the teachers will pick up on, well, let's talk about why it's important that we protect certain species. Mm-hmm. And and who's endangered and all those kind of things. I mean, I, I love that idea. All right. So as we, as we're talking about really providing resources to augment the school curriculum, that's what you're, what's what you're doing with your books. So what else, what else could we be doing here? Well, I uh, am a former teacher. So a lot of this comes very easy for me. But any author can come up with a list of vocabulary words that might be in their book that might be challenging to a particular grade level. So create a list of vocabulary words, and I do them by chapter, so that a teacher that's going to be using one of my books doesn't even have to do a lot of preparation the night before. She says, we're going to be reading chapters one, two, and three. Oh, here's some words that we probably should talk about before we get into it, because some of the students might not know what this means. Another no-brainer is discussion questions, and I do them by chapter. Same thing. If a teacher's going to be using your book, she's got it handed to her on a silver platter. I do two or three discussion questions for each chapter. And then, of course, you can do puzzles and games. Another easy thing would do a list of uh, links, of websites that could be helpful in giving background information to the content of, of your book, whatever that might be. Or you might want to create a reading list, a recommended reading list of other books that are similar in content for the same age level and grade level of what you've targeted. These would be easy for an author to do. Now, if you wanted to do something about standards, a little more complicated, and you say, I don't know anything about that, find a teacher, pay a teacher a 100 bucks or whatever to come up with a list of the standards that correlate back to your book or anything that you want to go into more detail. Teachers are always looking for extra ways to make money, and they would know more about this than you would, and they know what skills they're having to reinforce because 
This not only goes into the content or the subject matter, but it also goes into the writing process. And most schools would love to have an author talk to their kids about the writing process and what it takes to write a book. And a real important facet of that is to talk about revising and rewriting. Kids hate to revise and rewrite. I used to teach. Mm -hmm. They write an assignment. They hand it in. They don't ever want to see it again. And if you (laughs) give it back to them with red pencil marks on it and you want them to rewrite it, they don't want to do that. Teachers are still doing this today because they're trying to improve their writing skills. So when an author stands up and says, oh, we go through so many edits, so many revisions to make it the best possible finished product, teachers are in the back of the room going, yay, you said that to my kids, or I do it during a, a virtual author visit. Remember, even though you might be targeting a certain age level of students, it's the teachers that are going to be buying the books for the school. There's no question. So what you have done, you have created a fabulous laundry list of cheat sheets um, that that the author can create and provide to any teacher. Uh, it's, it's a, they become the teacher's assistant to support the deal. I mean, what do, I think that's a win-win. It's so it smart It is a win-win, and it really adds credibility to you as an author. It shows that you want to help the kids learn. You want to help the teacher teach. And so there's credibility there. Um, just having that on your website or make offering it to uh, whoever your contact is. If you're going to the media specialist, and all of these documents can be done as a PDF so that you can just uh, email it to them. And the beauty of that is if you're dealing with a specific teacher at a grade level and he or she likes it, they can forward it because it's a PDF email to all the other teachers in their department or in their school. So you've got to develop those those materials um, as not only the educational resources, but you got to have a good book flyer. Um, I also have a, a student <laughs> discount order form and a school discount order form so that everything's ready to go. If I get a nibble from a school and they're interested, I can send them these things, and it's not a hard sell. You just attach it to the document. If they want to use it, great. If they don't, it's not like you've pressured them at all. So do you, do you um, with your flyers and, and, and what I call the cheat sheets, do you park them on your website so anybody can access them, or do you only provide them when you are doing your marketing toward them? No, I put them on the website. Because there's a lot of people, we talked about word of mouth. Say a teacher mentions to another teacher, well, we had Jane Wood speak to our class and we thought it was really good. You might want to check her out. They're going to go to my website. So I have the school discount order form on my website. I have my book flyer on my website. Um, I have a flyer I did about doing author visits to schools, and it has everything in there they need to know. So I have all that available on my website. And then, of course, I can send it individually to one of the contacts I have at a school, um, and they can share it. I, uh, so I, I think you all heard from her. You need a website, which I say all the time. Your website is your global calling card. You need that website. You need to have a specific tab 
uh, if you're going after the school market, I would actually have a tab that if it doesn't, it says speaking or school visits. Um, what is your say, Jane, on your website? Hmm, I don't know. I'm not looking at it right now, but it does have a thing about school visits. Um, and it, I can tell you there's a lot of other authors out there that do school visits. Go to their websites because some of them are extremely uh, uh, beautiful. They've put things in there mm-hmm. that are, are videos of them presenting at a school, mm-hmm. photos of them presenting at a school, testimonials from other teachers. On my website, it says school visits. So it's very simple for somebody to click on school visits. And, of course, it has the COVID disclaimer at the top. But immediately, it's got some quotes from teachers, testimonials from teachers that have used me. It's got rotating photos of me presenting in the classroom, a little Mm -hmm. blurb on what I talk about. And then, of course, they can click and get my flyer. My fees are listed right there. You know, um, I don't mind putting my fees out there because schools and teachers and media specialists, sometimes they're hesitant to ask those questions. They were trained to be teachers. They're not business people. And they feel awkward about saying, well, how much would you charge? Really? I've run into this a lot. So I just put it out there and they know and either they're going to call me or they're not going to call me. Mm -hmm. So it's just there um, on that. Or it could be on a flyer also on a flyer and it's attached on there. It it varies. But it's especially for school visits, you're right. There's a limitations. Um, if you're looking for big box people um, out there, unless you're a, a you know, a, a Caldecott, Newberry, fill in the blank, you're most likely not going to get it. Would, would you agree with that? I agree. And I, I another fallacy, a lot of people think, well, I'm just going to call the person at the district office that's in charge of, say, history or or mm-hmm. elementary mm-hmm. Um, social studies, and that person's going to tell the, all the schools in the district about my book. It doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. But you should still contact that person to let them know who you are, what you've got, so that they know about it. I would even send them a copy of the book or books so that they can look at it. But basically, you're going to be contacting one school at a time. And it takes a while to build up that, that distribution, but contacting individual schools and then the word will spread, that's how you get your foot in the door at a specific All right. district. All right, we're going to be right back with lots more. <laughs> This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. 
or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand and platform, and is a success, a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, the school bills are ringing. They're getting ready to go into summertime. And according to our guest, Jane Wood, you should be pitching to them because their budgets are opening up for the planning for the coming year. So Jane can be found at Jane Wood. Her website is Jane Wood Books and books is plural dot com. And that we've lots of information has been rolling off here. I hope you have been paying attention and, and picked up some of the nuggets I sure have. And I would encourage you to get her book called Schools, A Niche Market for Authors. Because I think that if you have got anything going on that would educate, expand, support teachers, um, there is money to support you in your books, but you just need to go what avenue to go down. Jane, I wanted to um, kiss on really presentations in schools. As you know, you're a teacher, you're in front of kids, you're, you, you're not shy uh, to get in front of them. A lot of people are. You and I have both heard from authors, I just want to write. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to market my books. <laughs> and this is marketing. This is marketing. So what kind of what kind of tips do you have to really make yourself comfortable and get those kids involved in the classroom? Well, first off, um, you want to keep it short. I My presentations are 45 minutes maximum, and that includes time for Q&A. Um, if you're talking to younger audiences, we have a thing called the wiggle factor that kicks in. Oh, if yeah. You're oh, yeah. Droning <laughs> on and on. What I use with all of my groups is I change direction uh, three times. I start off by talking a little bit about me and why I write books, keep it very short. 
but you're making that personal connection. They want to know a little bit about you as a person. And then I talk about the writing process, and as I mentioned earlier, about how how much time it takes, how I do research, how I use photographs, and of course, the revising and the rewriting, how many times we go through the edit process. And then I talk about the content of that specific book that I've been asked to present on. I use photographs in a PowerPoint because I weave history into my storyline, so I show photographs of the places that are actually featured in the book, with my goal being I want kids to look at it and say, oh, I want to go there, so they'll learn about it themselves. But if you've got a book that you don't have pictures with, you could do a reading, you could read an excerpt. Um, you, if you've got an illustrator or you are an illustrator, bring an illustrator with you to draw something. There's a lot of things you can do in that third segment. And then, of course, the last segment is leave time for Q&A. I often will talk with the teacher in advance and say, why don't you have some students prepare questions and you select four or five students to ask those questions. Otherwise, you'll get some really dumb questions. You know, what's your favorite color, which has nothing to do with what you're talking about. So teachers like that because they want to utilize your time um, as best as possible. So you want to keep it moving and shift gears two or three times. You could do a reading. Um, you certainly want to leave time for the Q&A because the kids are going to ask you what they want to know, not necessarily what you wanted to tell them. And then um, just keep it, keep it moving, keep it lively. I uh, always ask for a microphone so that you can project. Um, I tend to walk around the stage if I'm on a stage, or if the kids are sitting on the floor in the library or in the auditorium, I ask them to leave uh, an aisle in the middle, and I walk down so that you're actually connecting with the kids. It's just my personality as a former teacher and having been in television, I try to use some of those techniques. If you're just sitting there in a chair on the stage for the whole period, that's not very engaging. And the whole point is you want to connect with your audience. I, I so agree with you. You know, one of the things that um, I had a, one of my authors who had a, a book called Julie Griffin had a book called Christina Gradina and the girl with the 10 busy toes and that we took in some of the illustrations when she was out uh, that were just gross. I mean, when they first started off, the illustrator was having a hard time drawing the feet and we called up the gnarly feet illustrations <laughs> and we blew them up. The kids love them, Jane. They love these gnarly feet as we got it around. I mean, I, I actually got the illustrator into my office. I had Julie take off her shoes, climb up on Julie, the author, climb up on my conference table and do a 360. I said, these are what girls' feet look like, Dawn. <laughs> oh, kids. See, kids love that. And Usually when I do my photographs, I throw one or two in there that might be a little what I call whimsical. Uh, when I did my research in Boston, I'm sitting down on a, on a corner eating a lobster roll, and I look ridiculous, but boy, was it good. And sometimes I'll throw that picture in there, and the kids love it. They laugh. They want it. Was it good? You know? And then I, of course, bring it back to Boston. I was actually at Finnell Hall, so I get to talk about uh -huh. more history, but you gotta you gotta connect with the kids, and things like that will will connect with them. And if they laugh, that's even better. 
the one thing you got to be careful of, particularly with younger audiences, is um, they all want to tell you a story. Uh, when I talk about my manatees and sea turtles, every hand goes up. They want to tell you about the time they saw a manatee. And, of course, you can't do that. So if you're going to do anything interactive like that with younger audiences, save it to the very end because oh, yeah. the teacher will then cut them off. Oh, yeah, yeah and, that, and they do it well. They do it well <laughs> because your time's up. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so in, at, I love your advice. Don't just sit on a chair. Get them move around. Get them interactive. Um, when a, I love the idea of bringing in if if you've got a thing, you could you could make you know little hats or something, and maybe maybe you know Susie's going to be the manatee and George's get to be the the turtle. I mean, you can do certain things um, oh, with them. Schools and schools are very creative. I've gone into schools where the whole hallway had posters up that kids have made describing my book. I went to one school where the entire school, I'm talking K through 5, read one of my books, and then each grade level did a, an arts project related to it. And i got to tell you, the music teacher there wrote an original song to go Whoa. with my book, and the kids sang it to me. I oh cried. I would, too. I mean, teach... Teachers are creative. I have recipes with some of my books because they're mentioned in the book. I've gone to schools where the teacher has made the recipe for apple crisp because that was Bobby's favorite dessert. And then they invite me to stay for lunch with the kids. Um, there's just so many things that you can offer, but frequently the schools will come to you with great ideas. Boy, you got to jump on them right away because that's what makes it memorable. Number one, they're going to invite you back because they liked what you did and they're going to buy more books, but it's going to make it memorable for the kids. If you are highly interactive, we, we have uh, one of the authors here who I always recommend. You were mentioning go look at other authors' websites, Justin Matat. It's M-A-T-O-T-T dot -T -T com. He is so interactive and high energy that when the school knows he's coming in, literally the other teachers, the administrators, the staff all hustle in to where he's presenting so they can have fun, too. Um, oh, and it's it's hey, it's fun to have fun. And I remember when I was teaching when I could make it fun, the kids learned better. And they got more enthusiastic about it. I can tell you, when I was teaching sophomores in high school, lower reading level, I had, you know, a lot of the football team in my class. It was very hard to teach about Stein, uh, uh, Hemingway and uh, Steinbeck. So I would make games out of it. And then they would get excited. So anytime you can make it fun, um, like I said, keep a lot of the fun at the end of your presentation or else you lose your audience. But you want to engage with them, and um, that that helps sell books. And that's the bottom line. All right, so in our last two minutes, Jane, any other, you know, strategies or tips you want to share with our audience? Well, making good connections with the teachers is important. You also want to make the bookkeeper at that school your best friend because mm. she or he is going to be the one that's going to write a check if you've got an honorarium or write the check for the purchase order. And sometimes those things get lost in the library or somewhere. So whenever you go to do a personal school visit, make sure you meet the books 
the uh, bookkeeper. I always ask, can I stick my head in the door and say hi to the bookkeeper? Hi, I'm Jane Wood. You've probably seen my name on some invoices. That's a good thing to do. You also want to meet the principal if possible. Um, And frequently parents will show up if you're going to do an author visit. And so you want to make sure you go back and introduce yourself to them. You're networking. And that really pays off down the road. So introduce yourself to the parents that show up. Love all of this. Love all of that kind of thing. So the bottom line is authors who are writing kids' books of all ages can be hugely successful. But you have to do the marketing. You have to find out what's what what's the curriculum out there. Her Jane's idea of going to the your department of education, your state, your district, and find out what's up, what's hot. Um, and, and, and really pitching to that is absolutely essential there. So, and I'm going to encourage all of you go check out her, her website, Jane Wood books, that's W O O D.com and see what you have there. And Hey, if you know, Jane's based in Florida, you know, anybody in Florida who's got kids in schools, tell them about her books. (laughs) I think that's a good idea. That's a great idea, and I hope that the schools are going to open up again in the fall and we can go back to in-person so. visits. But in the meantime, there's those virtual school visits, and they work well, too. I think you can have a lot of fun with virtual. You can send them on. You know, you could introduce a scavenger hunt because they're all on some kind of device now um, and go hunting for those turtles and manatees and everything I- else. I actually I have electronic scavenger hunts for each of my books. If you click on one of my books and go to the resources, I have electronic scavenger hunts, 10 questions, and I send the kids to websites and they have to get the answer. And they're learning more. Love it. All right, Jane Wood, thank you so much for being with us today. All right. I've enjoyed it. Good. All right. So your authoring and publish success is always up to you. Keep working. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles.